Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. story, and uh, I think that we all kind of have a tendency over the years uh, to, to kind of take this story for granted, because it's one of those things we've, we've heard and we've heard told to us over and over again since we were kids, right? It's something we're familiar with, even if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, if you're just here checking out the claims of Jesus, or maybe somebody drug you here and said, hey, if you want your Christmas presents, you're coming to church with me tonight. <laughs> However you wound up here, I realize everybody's all over the map on their spiritual journey here tonight, but, but because you're in America, I am, I'm convinced you, it is likely that you know the Christmas story. You know the nativity scene, you know what the reason for the season is, because all of us Christians get uptight and we make a big deal about red cups at Starbucks and we go, hey, hold on, Christmas is not about Santa and a, about reindeer, it's all about Jesus. So it is likely that you know this is what the season is all about, and you're familiar with the story. You know, Jesus was born in a manger, and so I think, because we've heard the story so many times, we've kind of become callous in our hearts to some of the things that have happened. And so I like to look at the Christmas story and take a, take a portion of it maybe, and maybe make it fresh for you, make it, make it come alive to you, because man, that's how I like to read my Bible. I like it to come alive for me. And so last year we looked at, at the manger scene, and we called it a redneck Christmas. And, and so we looked at how that probably was not very, very much of a silent night. That was probably a, a very, very busy night full of cattle lowing and mooing and goats screaming. You know, it was probably not very quiet and silent like we think it was. And this year I wanted to look at something different. I wanted to look at some characters that maybe get looked over, but there's some very interesting points in their story. And they're found in the Christmas story as well, and that's the shepherds. And so we're going to jump right into it tonight and, uh, and take a look at the shepherds. If you're following along in a, in a Bible app, we're going to be in Luke 2, but the verses will also be up on the screen. We're in Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And that is the good news, folks. That's the good news. And that is where we're going to hang out today. I think there's a couple of interesting things in there. As you read through the story, you kind of gloss over the fact that angels appeared to these shepherds who are hanging out in the fields, right? It's like, it's just known. Shepherds are going to be in the fields. They're hanging out. The angels showed up. But I want to point you to something here. There's one word that, that I get stuck on when I read it. And it says that these shepherds were terrified. The shepherds were terrified. I think there's a couple reasons for this. The first reason is, and I don't know if you've ever actually been terrified in your life, okay? I, I know you've probably been startled or maybe even scared before, but have you ever actually been terrified? See, the scene is, is the, the angels show up, like, and we have to, we always picture them in the sky, and if you ever see other descriptions of angels in the Bible, they sound, they sound scary, man. They've got, like, swords of flame, and, like, they're big and bright, and... It's this even described as the glory of God shone round about them. And 
the shepherds were terrified. They didn't see something that was soft and had wings, and they were like, oh, that's cool. I saw a couple of those at Walmart the other day. That's neat. (laughs) This is something they had never seen. It's likely they soiled themselves because they were terrified. Now, many of you who know me know that I'm a bit of a jokester and a prankster, and that I like to... I like to mess with people. One of the things that I enjoy doing to people is to scare them. And I don't mean just jump out and startle someone. You see, I I have a theory on scaring people. I think if you really want to scare them, the way that you do it is is threefold. And I'll I'll demonstrate it for you here tonight. But, But if you really want to scare them, if you want to terrify them, I mean, it's where they absolutely lose their ever loving minds. The way the shepherds, I imagine the shepherds did, there's a couple things you have to do. You can't jump out and just go, boom. Because if you jump out and just go boo to somebody, that may startle them and make them go, oh, you know, they're going to turn around and look. But being honest with you, our brains, we know what makes the sound boo. Now don't say ghost. It's not a ghost. Ghost, I've never met a ghost who went boo, honestly. Anybody out there met a ghost who went boo? That's what I'm saying. People go boo. And we have in our minds ascribed the phrase boo to a ghost, but we know the ghosts don't really do that. That's people. So while boo may startle you, Boo may get you like this for a moment. It doesn't terrify you. Because you know what it is. Your brain likes to assign things that it doesn't understand quickly. It wants to figure it out. It wants to automate it. And so that's what it does when you go boo. Start somebody. So the first thing you have to do if you want to terrify somebody is make a sound or a noise that they have no earthly clue what it is. Not an animal sound that they understand. It needs to be something they don't know what that is. And so for me, that sound is... We don't even know what that sound is. Your mind is just going, wait, it sounded like a pig. No, wait, I don't, I'm not even, I don't even know what that is. And if you make this sound to somebody, their brain tries to understand it and it can't. And they go into this moment of like, oh, I don't understand this. And it, that's one level of terror. Okay. Now, if you want to take it up a notch, when you do this noise, what's going to happen is they hear it, and they're going to turn, and they're going to look at the direction it's coming from. Once they see that it's you, their brain will make an association with the sound. Their terror level goes down. They're done with the whole experience. You want to take it to level two? You need to change the plane on which they see you. In other words, that means get down on your hands and knees. That way, when they turn around, they don't see anything, but you're down on the ground, so now they have to look down. You don't understand how bad this messes with your little brain, because it can't even comprehend that. And that moment of trying to figure out what that noise is, to turn around and not see it, it just messes with you. Terror terror level two. But if you really, really want them to soil their pants, which I do... My children, they won't go upstairs in the dark. And I'm like, what are you afraid of? They're like, you, Dad. We're afraid of you. It's <laughs> a true story. If you want terror level three, you need to make the sound. You need to be on the ground. But then you need to lunge. And you need to... As you go towards it. Now let me tell you what happens when you do that. Your little mind does not wrap around the idea of what that sound is. Your mind, you turn around and you can't immediately see what that sound is. But then you see something coming at you and your brain is a fuzz. It doesn't matter that I'm a big man. You still won't know what it is that's coming at you. 
And I don't recommend you touch them unless you'd like to get your face broken. But you can lunge at them. I do this to people all the time, and what they do is they go into complete and total shock. If you ever see a goat when it gets scared, it goes like this. Boom. Falls over. This is what happens to people when you scare them at terror level three. They frighten. I got Derek in El Salvador so bad, our creative director here. He was just walking along, minding his own business. I came out of the bushes, I smacked him as hard as I could, came running towards him down low. There, stood straight up. And as he's falling over to let out his breath, I hear him say, Bye, Kyle, I love you. <laughs> Derek thought he was going to die. Derek thought he was going to die. <laughs> so it's possible that as we get... Oh, let's go back to the verses, people. Let's go back. It's possible that as, as we look at, at this verse, that it says the, the shepherds were terrified. It is likely that they were terrified by something they heard and saw that they could not understand. It's also very likely that the shepherds, because of who they were, the outcasts of society, the lowly, the lowest of the low, the unspiritually fit, the unsociably fit, it is likely that they were kind of afraid because when an angel shows up to people who are not right with God, in the Bible, all throughout, these guys take people out sometimes. They take them out. And I think the shepherds would have been people who were not, they didn't know where they stood with God. And so why is this good news? When we look at this verse, the angel is saying, hey, I've got good news. And why is it good news? And what are you saving us from? One of the other points in this, in this that I think is really, really interesting is that the angels showed up, and what are they doing? They're announcing. They're announcing Christ's birth. See, during this time, if a, a wealthy family had a child, they would hire somebody called a herald. Okay, And a herald would go around and they would proclaim the birth of the child, especially if it was a male, because that meant the family name was going to continue on and that God's hand was on their family and was blessing them for. For, for generations to come. And so they would hire a herald. That's why we sing the song. Are the herald angels sing? The angels were God's herald. He, they were the announcement that the Son was born, that Christ was born. But what's interesting to me about this is not so much that the angels were the ones announcing the birth of the child. It was who they announced it to. Because you would think that when the Christ came, that... Well, maybe God would have chosen to announce his arrival to kings and the queens, to royalty. And if not to royalty, maybe at least to the high priests or to those that were in church that day. Like, go to the religious people and announce it to them, but that's not what he did. He went to the shepherds and he announced to the shepherds. They were the lowest ranking. They had embarrassing jobs. These guys were, were, were so low on the totem pole that their job... If, you, if you, the family had sheep to tend to, it was usually reserved for the youngest child or the slaves. Nobody wanted this job. Shepherds in general were uneducated because they didn't have time to be in school. They had to be with the sheep 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So they were uneducated and they had no hope for job advancement. I mean, once you become a shepherd, there's no becoming head shepherd. I mean, that's it. You're not going any further in your job. You're a shepherd. So that this was this was this meant that they were not not considered uh, people didn't like them very much. The religious culture of the day considered them failures and outcasts, and said that they weren't they couldn't be good enough. They weren't 
made right with God and they could not live up to the religious rules of the day. And so a shepherd felt no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't measure up. And because they couldn't measure up, they were constantly in fear of where they stood with God. And this is who God chose to show up and announce his son was born. The shepherds would have felt distant. I think there's a couple reasons they would have felt distant. The first reason is they would have they felt unworthy. The first reason they felt distant from God is because they would have felt unworthy. You see, they were outcasts in Israel during the day. They were taught that they weren't good enough for God and that they weren't good enough for religion. The reason is because they were nomads. Shepherds had to go out and they would travel. It's the equivalent of being a trucker. They would have to go out on the roads and they'd travel with the, with the sheep. And so being away all the time meant, made them ceremonially unclean. What that means is that during the day they had a tabernacle. And in order to go into the tabernacle, there's lots of things you had to do. You had rites and rituals you needed to perform in order to be able to even enter into the tabernacle. They, you had to be ceremonially clean to participate, to go and sacrifice a lamb or to partake of anything in the tabernacle. If you were unclean, you couldn't go in. And so because of their jobs, because it kept them on the road, they were ceremonially unclean. And of course, they spent a lot of time with sheep out in the fields. That's where they slept. So you can imagine how they smelled. How do you think they smelled? Not good, right? I wouldn't even go so far as to say they smelled bad. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you were my people. They're physically dirty. But not only are they physically dirty, they were considered to be spiritually dirty. You wouldn't want to be around them because of their smell, but the religious people of the day, which was everybody in the Jewish culture, they wouldn't even want to spend any time with them because to touch somebody that was ceremonially or spiritually unclean like the shepherds made you spiritually unclean. It made you have to go through rites and rituals to purify yourself to you able to go back into the, the tabernacle again. So you can imagine how unworthy they felt. I think, I think we can be the same as the shepherds sometimes. I think we come to church, we put on our church face, and we put on our Sunday best, or our, our simple church t-shirts, you know, and flip-flops around here. But we know what we've done. We've put on that face that says we've got it all together, but really we know in our hearts the things that we shouldn't do, that we've done, and the things that we need to do that we haven't done. We know. We know all those things in our hearts. And we look around at everybody worshiping in church and how great everybody looks. And it looks like everybody's got it together. But, if, you know, if you're being honest with yourself, you, you nearly killed your kid on the way to church tonight. You know what I'm saying? If your arm had been like two inches longer, you'd have had him in the car. Get back. You just get over there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, come on. Don't judge me. But if you're being honest with yourself, that, that child was really close to meeting Jesus before they even got to church. <laughs> you sit back there, you sit on this side, and you sit on this side, we're going to church, it's Christmas Eve, and we're going to praise Jesus, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and you walk in here and you realize, oh, I may have messed that up a little bit. Sometimes we feel unworthy. We feel unworthy, just like the shepherds. Second reason they would have felt far from God is because they would have felt inadequate. Like I said before, the, the shepherds were uneducated. Because they were uneducated, it meant they didn't understand the times. They didn't have Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or the internet or email. And some of you, that's terrifying you right now. What? What? Can you imagine? They were uneducated. They couldn't sit out in the fields and get all the information on their little devices. 
So they were considered socially unfit, socially inadequate. And so when they would head into the cities, they would compare themselves and look around and they, they'd feel inadequate. I think we do the same thing, especially when we compare ourselves. We feel the same way. We look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not as smart, or I'm not as pretty, or, I'm not as popular, or, I'm not as attractive, I'm, I don't have as many Twitter followers as this person, or you go to your friend's house, and do you, you have a friend like this where their house is completely perfect? You know what I mean? Like, go in there, and the house smells really great, they've got candles lit, their floors look nice, your girlfriend's hair is done, it's like, oh, this is great. You know, you go back to your house, and like it smells like laundry, floor, what floor? You can't even see your floor, and... And you haven't used a brush in like a month, you know? When you compare ourselves, we can feel inadequate as well. But the shepherds also felt spiritually inadequate because, see, one of the laws, one of the things that they needed to do in order to be ceremonially fit, to be right, was to, to honor something called the Sabbath. And most of us know what the Sabbath is all about. It's a day of rest. And because the sheep needed to be tended for and guarded 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, they had no time to take a rest, and so they were constantly in violation of the law. They were spiritually inadequate. They just couldn't do it. I think sometimes we feel the same way. We look around our world, and everybody else seems to have it all together. They seem to know all the right scripture verses for whatever it is that they're going through, or, or they, their prayers, man, they'll just move mountains. And you're like sitting over here praying like you don't kill somebody at Christmas dinner. You know what I'm saying? You're like, or Lord, give me a spot up front. It is Christmas Give me a spot up front at the parking lot, at the store, at the Walmart, please. That would be wonderful. But I think the shepherds felt inadequate, just like we do at times. The third reason they would have felt distant from God is because they felt unloved. Shepherds in general were thieves. They were known as thieves. Whether you were or not, you had the reputation as being a thief. And so, as such, all of the shepherds would not have been trusted. They would not have been allowed to testify in legal cases. Uh, because because they were considered liars. You can't trust these guys. If a shepherd wanted to get married, there was very few fathers who would give them the blessing to marry their daughters. So it was difficult to find love, to find a, a marital partner. I think we understand this because there's some of you in this room, you understand what that rejection is all about. You understand what it's like to feel unloved. Maybe maybe you're here today and you grew up without a father and you constantly question, why me? Why? What's so bad about me that my dad had to leave? Why couldn't why couldn't he just stick around? Why couldn't he man up? Why couldn't he own this and stay with me? What's wrong with me? Or maybe today you're here and your spouse has left you. Maybe he's chosen, he or she has chosen someone else or they just couldn't, couldn't get it together. And so they, they took off. Others of you, you look in the mirror and you don't even like yourself. You don't like what you see. Physically or where your life is headed. And you think to yourself, well, if people don't love me and I don't like myself, how can a God accept me and love me as well? It's amazing the difference between perception versus reality. Because you think everyone around you has it together. And you think about your mistakes. You think about what you've done, where you've been, how you've wronged. You can't help but be overwhelmed by that. By how everyone's got it together. Or at least the perception is. The truth is, there's people sitting around you that don't have it all together. There's likely that there's a mom sitting somewhere in your row. 
who doesn't have it all together. She's at her wit's end trying to raise kids by herself. And to be honest with you, if she was being honest with you, the only reason she's still on this earth because her heart is so broken by what she's endured is because of those kids. Or maybe you're sitting in the same row with a father who is financially ruined right now and he realizes that when his kid goes back to school after Christmas break, his child is going to lie about what he got for Christmas because he didn't get anything. Maybe you're sitting in a row with somebody that has all the money in the world, has success. But they have this heavy burden in their heart. And they have nobody to talk to about it. The reality is, is we're all broken in some way. We feel unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. For the shepherds, and during their day, religion didn't work for the shepherds. Religion doesn't work for us either. You say, hang on a second, Aaron. Aren't you a pastor of a church? You say religion doesn't work? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Religion doesn't work. God didn't send Jesus to bring us religion. He sent Jesus to set us free from religion by giving us something better. And that was himself. See, religion reduces Christianity down to rules. We get a lot of do's and don'ts and things that we're, where we're supposed to be at certain times. And we're supposed to do this and we can't do that. And we're not supposed to drink and smoke. And we're not supposed to hang out with people who do. And when we honor all these rules that Christianity gives us, we feel holier than thou. Somebody know anybody like that? Well, they look down on you. Don't point fingers. That's not nice. <laughs> Well, they look down on you because they've done all these rules or they don't do all these things and they look down, I'm better than you because I am religiously, I am, I am more pious than you. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, that attitude makes me want to puke. I didn't come for that. Religion focuses on the externals and when Jesus showed up on the scene, even the religious leaders of the day, he said, look, you've washed the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filthy. He was speaking to the fact that their hearts were so putrid, they were so sinful inside, even though they were doing everything right on the outside. Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It was meant to be a relationship. And that's why God sent a person and this is the good news. This is why the angels were speaking to the shepherds who were concerned about where they stood with God and said, Fear not, I bring you good news that will bring everybody great joy. You say, all right, Aaron, that's great for the shepherds, but how does this apply to you? I'm going to share a couple of verses that are written by the Apostle Paul that I think summarize this succinctly for us tonight. If you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, he's somebody who was a Pharisee. He was a religious zealot of the day. He hated Christians. In fact, he persecuted them, and when he had the opportunity to, he killed them. Part of Paul's story is that he encountered the love of God, and it completely transformed him. And as a result, he, he established churches, and he saw a lot of people come to Christ and faith in Christ. So this is what he says. This is in Romans 3, 20-22. It says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ or Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. That's the good news. That's the good news. So what's this passage saying? I'm going to break it down in three little steps. One, two, three. Here we go. First one. 
What is this passage saying? The first thing it tells us is you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. The Pharisees of the day, the religious leaders of the day, tried to earn their righteousness with God by following 613 laws, people. God gave us the Ten Commandments, and then He summarizes those and says, Hey, love God, love people. That's, that's how you do those ten things. And then the religious people of the day came along and said, Hey, listen, we're going to create all these other laws to make sure that we don't even get close to breaking those laws. 613 of them. It's what they tried to do, but the shepherds couldn't do any of those things. They couldn't do any of those things. And so that religion, that those things didn't work for them. The verse says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. That was good news for the shepherds. Because they couldn't do it anyway. So why was the law given then? Here's number two. The purpose of the law is to show you your need for a Savior. Back to that verse. It says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Look, the, the law was there to reveal our need for a Savior. Because when you looked at the law, you're like, there's no way I can do this. There's very few people who could. Honor all 613 of them all the time. It was impossible. Now most of you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, alright, that's great for the shepherds, but... Do I need a Savior? Because honestly, Aaron, I'm a good person. Basically, if I were to ask you, are you a good person? Your answer is going to be yes. And when I ask you, are you going to heaven whether you know Jesus or not? Your answer is going to be, yeah, because I'm a good person. You say, well, how do you know a good person? Well, because I know bad people and I ain't them. (laughs) Right? I know what those people look like. and That's not me. What you're doing is you're comparing yourself to other people. I can find somebody that's, that's worse than I am and say, well, yeah, I mean, look at them. You know, that makes me a good person comparatively. The problem is, is we can't compare ourselves to other people. We need to compare ourselves to God's standard. And when we compare ourselves to God's standard, we realize that we're all bad people. That's every single one of you, Christ follower or not. We're all basically bad people. Let, let's do this because it's Christmas and I, I really want you to feel really great about how bad you actually are at Christmas time this week. I'm going to take a little poll and, and uh, I can't see too well out past the first two rows, but you play along everybody in the house, okay? If somebody's not playing along, you nudge them, all right? But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you a question and this is you. If you've ever done what I'm getting ready to say, I want you to put your hand up in the air high for me. Just leave it up for just a second, all right? Here we go. Have you ever told a lie? Put your hand up and you have told a lie. All right. Now look around you. People without their hands up, look at them and call them liar, liar, pants on fire. That's fun to do in church, isn't it? All right, you can put your hands down. All right, let me, let me ask this. Uh, have you ever stolen anything before? I've stolen. All right. All right, put your hands down. Great. Now, here's why I want you to do this. I want you to put your hands together like this. Because this one's going to get you in trouble. I don't want you to raise your hands, okay? Do not raise your hands. But if this is you, I just want you to quick give me a pinky like this. Just, just up down. Because I'm married, folk. I don't want to get you in trouble, all right? But this, this is just being honest, okay? Pinky up like this. Nothing higher, okay? Up and down. Up and down, okay? Don't wave it around. This is not the way to go, okay? Like this. Have you ever had a lustful thought? Oh, right, okay. So basically, if you have told a lie, you are what? Liar. Yeah, yeah, play along. All right. And if you've ever stolen anything, you are a And if you've committed adultery, you are a... An adulterer. Right, yeah. Okay, so 
Basically, we're a church full of liars, thieves, and adulterers. Welcome to Simple Church. Merry Christmas. That, that's all of us. Now, why do that? Well, because until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see a need for a Savior. Until you see how bad you are in comparison to who He is, you won't feel like you need a Savior in your life. Because let me tell you, you don't need religion. You don't need a checklist of things to do. What you need is Jesus. So what's the good news? That we can't be made right by obeying the law. What's the point of the law? To show us we need a Savior. So how are we made right? This is the third one. Righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. Righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. This time I'm going to ask the band to come back up on stage as I'm closing. Look, let me tell you something. Christ plus nothing equals salvation for you. There is nothing in your life that you need to do. There is no amount of giving in the offering bucket. There's no amount of church attendance. There's no amount of good works in helping helping little ladies cross the street. I don't know where I just went. There's no amount of good works that will save you. It's Jesus plus nothing that you are saved. That's it. Wrapping up the verse, it says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. That's the good news. This is why the angels are showing up and saying, fear not. You don't need to question where you stand with God anymore. Those of you that feel unworthy and inadequate and unloved, religion probably doesn't work for you because it doesn't work for anybody. It didn't work for the shepherds. The shepherds needed a Savior and so do we. And guess what? What we're here for tonight, what Christmas is all about, is to celebrate that that Savior was born. That's what this is all about. Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship. See, religion says, this is our effort. This is what we did to get to God. But a relationship is all about God's perfect work through Christ and what He accomplished on the cross for us by forgiving us of our sins and making us right with God. Religion says it's all about what I do, but relationship says it's all about what Jesus has done. Religion is about me. Relationship is about Jesus. Religion can be spelled D-O. Relationship can be spelled D-O-N-E because that's what Jesus said on the cross when He died. It is finished. There's nothing else you need to do. There's nothing else you could do. Jesus paid the price with His life. Religion says you need to work hard to be accepted, but relationship says I am accepted as I am. And because I am accepted as I am, I will work hard. Well, that's different, folks. One is in pursuit of, I am in pursuit of of acceptance. The other says, I have acceptance. And I will respond to that acceptance by giving my life. Giving of what I have. It is Christ plus nothing that saves us. The shepherds like us felt unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. 
But the angel said, Fear not, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. No matter how bad or how alone you feel today, Romans 3.22 says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes that no matter who we are, and that is the good news, that no matter who you are, a Savior has been born. Let's pray. Today I want to speak first of all to the Christ followers, those that are like me, you would say, Aaron, I'm following Jesus. Tonight you may be here on this Christmas Eve and maybe you're carrying a heavy burden. Maybe the fear that you face in your life is not necessarily where you stand with God, but maybe you're facing financial fears. Maybe you've gotten a bad health report and you're afraid of what the future may bring. Maybe there's relational tension, either through your marriage or your children. Maybe you have fear of drama at upcoming family gatherings that you'll do over the holidays in the next couple days. Maybe you have a fear of being alone this Christmas. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity to cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Fear not, is what He said. And if that's you tonight, I'm talking to the Christ followers, if that's you, and you need a moment to give your fears over to God, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just put your hand in the air and say, Aaron, that's me, I've got some stuff. I just need to give it to Him tonight. Thank you. Put your hands down. Father, I pray for those that are being honest with themselves about where they're at, about the fears and about the burdens that are on their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would lift this burden now. Lord, that you would speak into their life. Lord, with words of fear not, because you're with them. No matter what it is they're facing, you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. God, grant them your peace. Grant them your resources. Grant them your strength to bear under Whatever it is, Lord, they don't have to hold it themselves. They just need to lean into you. God, do this incredible work in our hearts and our lives, we pray. We ask in Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, continuing. Maybe you're here today. You'd say, Aaron, I'm not a Christ follower. I do feel unworthy. I feel inadequate. And I feel unloved, especially when it comes to church. I've not been to a place where they love me. Or maybe you used to go to a church and they rejected you for one reason or another. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never even heard the good news, but you'd say, Aaron, I, I realize tonight that if I stop comparing myself to other people in comparison to God, yeah, I, I need a Savior. Tonight, you're here for this moment. You can sense it inside. You can feel it. And let me tell you what that feeling is inside. It's God drawing you into His love right now. You're not here by accident tonight. This can be the moment that the entire trajectory of your life is altered. If you seize it right now. It's time to confess we sin against God that we need His forgiveness. That we want to be in His blessing and know His love. That we're ready to confess Jesus is Lord of our lives and surrender it all to Him. If you're ready to put your faith in Christ alone. Ready to give up on all your good works and everything that you can do to get to God because none of it worth it. None of it will get you there. If that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. If you want to be counted in that, on that prayer, would you just put your hand up right now? Do it right now and say, Aaron, count me in on that prayer. Count me in on that prayer that you're going to pray. I don't have the words, but I know that I need to do this. 
I'm ready to accept Christ. Thank you. Put your hands down. I'm going to give you the words to pray. And you can pray them out loud, or you can pray them in, in your heart, but you just need to meet them. It's a very simple prayer. It's, it's a conversation with God. As we come to Him humbly, just repeat these words. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Transform me from the inside out. Give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me and show me how to live my life for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Give it all to you. I need you, Jesus. Amen.